In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie, and I am your host. I am so glad to be with you today. I have a special guest and a friend of mine, Alan White. Hi, Alan. Hey, great to be here, Beth. Yeah, so glad to have you with us. Alan has been on uh, the 419 podcast before. Um, If you'd like to hear about his story and uh, how he shared with us the first time, please go back to March 18th, 2019. Alan was one of our first guests. Um, That's episode nine, and it's a great uh, story how he talks about um, his his life and how he became a disciple of Jesus. Um, But just for everybody listening today, Alan is our family life pastor here at Mount Pisgah. He's the teaching pastor for the 11 a.m. worship service. He's a father, he's a husband, and he's a disciple maker. <laughs> and we're just glad to have some time with him today. I asked Alan to come on because um, I've heard him talk about this a lot, especially in his preaching and just in, in who he is. But he speaks about Jesus, uh, and he speaks about grace and truth. And John 1.14 says, Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And I just wanted Alan to come and sort of share about these two very important and very uh, challenging topics in disciple-making. So, Alan, I would love for you to kick us off today by maybe defining truth. What is it? Where does it come from? Yeah, I mean, I think truth is the the absolutes um, that we have in life. And so I think, obviously, in this context, we're talking about discipleship, we're talking about biblical truth. So I would see, you know, truth being founded in scripture. Um, but, but truth, obviously not every truth is written in, in scripture. Right. And so there are things that, you know, that gravity is not written about in scripture, but we can understand gravity to be something, to be a true thing. Um, and so I think, um, the reason why it's important is because if there's not some type of absolute, if there's not some type of target, then we're all just making it up as we go. Um, and so then there's no set standard for how to live your life. There's no set standard for why we're all here in the first place. I, I mean, it's just all, it's all just choose your own adventure, um, which creates just a, a lot of problems. And so I think having some type of defined truth um, is the only way, really only way I think to have a healthy society, but even just the only way to even live your life. Cause if not, then it's just, you just get blown to and fro with the wind. Um, and then for me, truth comes from scripture. You know, I think we could look at, um, you know, we could look at things like Wesley's quadrilateral and say, well, here's kind of how to discern truth and that kind of stuff. And we have our own experiences and, you know, church traditions and our own reasoning skills. Um, but those are three, I would say, small kind of truth items versus scripture for me is is the truth item. Um, and and without that, then again, you're just you're just making it up. And so this can be true for you and this can be true for you. And so you just think about how many things just break down. Um, the number of times I've had conversations with people that don't believe that there's an absolute truth, it, it just, it breaks down so quickly. Um, especially when you get into conversations on what's good or bad or right or wrong, I'm like, well, if there's no set standard, it's pretty much whatever I want it to be. Um, which, which just doesn't lead you any place good. I don't think. Right. That that's really important. It's, it's like our plumb line. I mean, without it, like you said, we just, we can sway all kinds of places. And so scripture gives us that place. Truth gives us that place to come back to, to say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. This is how we treat people. This is how we live. That Those are the truths that we can 
we can gain in Scripture. That's good. Okay, that, that gives us a clear picture of, of truth. So then what is grace? Why, again, is it important? And maybe what does it look like? Uh, I mean, I guess grace would be, I mean, to you, it's going to be way too churchy of a definition, but, you know, unmerited favor, uh, right? But it's important because, um, I mean, shoot, if you want to look at it just in the terms of Mary Poppins, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. If truth (laughs) is the medicine, then you've got to have the sugar to help it go down. Um, So I think grace is somewhat for that. But I think it's also, if all you had was truth, and that was the only thing that existed, then we'd really just be robots. And so if you think if God just programmed us as a bunch of just kind of truth beings, I guess you could say, then there'd be no feeling to it. Um, it'd be the same reason why, and this is getting a little off topic, but why someone says, well, why would, why would God let us choose him or not choose him? Uh, I'm like, well, because that's kind of the grace side of it. If we were forced to to believe in him, if we were forced to have a relationship with him, then that's not really a relationship at all. Um, and so I think, uh, the grace is the the heart side and, and kind of the, I guess, the muscle fibers that hold the bones of the truth together. And so without the bones, you know, all the muscles come crashing to the ground. But without the muscles, then you just got a skeleton. And so I think you put those two things together. And that what's, that's what makes a walking being, which is why I love, you know, First John 14. It's just because it has that Jesus came in the flesh. And so even in that, that analogy of, of the body and the bones and the flesh, it even makes sense how truth and grace work together as a part of kind of the body of a of a fully mature believer and follower of Christ. Right. That that's really helpful too because that grace so meets us where we're at, right? And um, like you said, it's it's warm. It's um, it. I always feel like grace is the thing that changes us, right? Because it, it without it, we would probably not. We'd be so far from the truth, we would just give up. But grace meets us, and it allows God to transform us. And that is super important. Um, and I really like the way you gave it, the the, the flesh and the, the way that they go together. Okay, so it's, you know, we know that we need both of these. Um, but why are both of them so important in discipleship? Like, what is it about these two that create a discipleship-type environment or us to be— um, maybe becoming like Christ? Yeah. I mean, I think truth sets the path that we're supposed to walk on. Um, but grace is the the force that gently draws us back onto the path when we get off of it. Um, and so you, you think if you were walking down a trail and, you know, you, you didn't have a, a compass, um, you'd never find your way back to it. And so if you meandered out into the woods off the trail, you'd just be wandering and wandering and wandering. And so I think that the, the, the part of grace is drawing us back to the course that, that God has set for us. Um, and so I think to have the two of them in a discipling situation is, again, truth gives the target. And truth gives, this is what your life is supposed to look like. And not from an X's and O's, you're supposed to do this job or that job or have this many kids or that many kids, not that type of thing, but like the, the big things that matter, like why you exist, how you're supposed to lead your life, how you're supposed to carry yourself, the things you're supposed to believe, the things you're supposed to think, um, the, the 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 spiritual wrestling that you do with the Lord, all of those things. If if you don't have truth, there's no target to even shoot for in the first place. And so I think that you know discipleship groups, really, the, the disciple making is all about helping people walk further into the truth. But if all you do is truth, 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 then it goes from disciple making 
to military boot camp really quickly. Um, and so I think the grace is the, again, it's the salve on top of that, that just not makes the truth palatable. I don't, I don't mean the grace doesn't water down the truth to make it easier to believe, but it makes it to where you have permission to get it wrong um, versus without grace, then there's no permission to get it wrong. And so if you missed one question on the test, it's all over. Um, and I, I think about the number of students that I've known that, you know, they would <laughs> come talk to me and they, you know, crying over a test. And it's because they missed one problem. You know, they got a 99 on their test and they're like, I can't believe I missed one problem. I'm like, Evan, <laughs> you got 99 of them right. You know, and so it, it kind of being able to have the grace side of saying like, hey, it's, it's not as bad as you think it is. There is a target, <laughs> but there's also forgiveness and there's mercy and there's grace in the process when you don't hit that target. Yeah, that, okay, that that's very helpful. Um, and so if we... It sounds like we need, if we need both, it's almost like a balance. We need as much grace as we need as much truth. I've heard it even like the analogy of an airplane, um, you know, that you need both wings, right, to stay steady. Um, or riding a bicycle, you need balance um, in between the two. J- just curious, like, what would happen if you, and I think you sort of hit on this a little bit, but maybe you have some situations or some stories that you could share, but what does it start to look like, like really look like if we are leaning too far? I mean, we all have our own bents, right? You know, so if truth is really important to us or compassion, grace, mercy, meeting, you know, is really important to us, that's good. But if we lean too far one way, what ends up happening? I think if you lean too far in the truth side of things, if your group does or your own personal spiritual life, then you become really dogmatic in your approach to, to faith. Um, and, and it becomes just all about making sure that you know the right answers. So again, using the school analogy, I mean, how many times did any of us study for a class and we crammed the night before so that we could get the answers right on the test the next day? That's not actually learning. That's just memory regurgitation. And so if, if all it is, is just truth, 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 and it, you're just regurgitating, you know, a set of facts or a set of doctrine, which becomes really dogmatic for us Personally, but I think what it does to our ministry is that it makes us as believers and disciples come off really, really judgmental Um, because it says, you know, it it makes us stand in those places where we um, project to the world that we're coming from this place of, of a moral high ground. And so well, I have the truth and the truth is on my side and all of you people down there are wrong and you're a sinner and you're a sinner and you're a sinner. And so when you err too far on the side of truth, then it feels cold. I think for the believer themselves and feels like it's just very functional in nature and not relational in nature. But then I think it feels very dismissive and very exclusive to people that maybe are still struggling with some things, you know, so you dig into some scriptures that are really, really kind of in your face about certain types of behaviors and certain types of lifestyles or whatever it might be. If all you're hitting is truth, 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 then they're like, well, if, if all your God is about is telling me I'm wrong, I don't think I'm going to be interested in that. Um, and so we, we see that the pendulum swings so far that way and it just drives people away. I mean, I think about, um, I think about a, a street preacher that I got into at one time with outside of a Georgia football game. I've told this story before in a sermon and he's out there and he has scripture that's on a sign and I get it. And the scripture is the scripture. I mean, what he wrote on the sign is not against what scripture says. It was 100% true. Uh, but he also had forgotten the two verses that come after it. 
that are much more graceful. So he's sitting on his bullhorn and essentially telling, you know, a bunch of, you know, college students, half of whom are inebriated, hey, you're all going to hell for this, this, or this. And so I went over to him and got into it with him and started quoting some scripture back at him. It's, it's great when, when you know the truth yourself, it makes it easier to engage in that moment. And so he starts quoting scripture and at one point quotes a scripture completely wrong. And so I call him on it. and we have this whole back and forth thing. But those kinds of moments are what I think of when someone goes too far on the truth, because again, the scripture that he had, it was the truth. I mean, it's what's in the Bible. It was, it's in, it's the inspired word of God, but his delivery and his methodology and the lack of including the graceful part of scripture made it to where it was just, hey, this is just a, a standard that all of you can't live up to, and so you're doomed. So that's the truth side. But then if you go too far on the grace side, we just become way too permissive and, and way too down the line of, in, in the mindset of we want everybody to be open-minded, well, then everything is just relative. And, and again, it kind of goes back to why we need truth in the first place is if you go so far on the grace side, and what I say is right is right. And what you say is right is right. And okay, it's fine. But what happens when my right conflicts with your right? And we have no defined shared set of standards. So, okay, well, what do we do then? Then our relationship still breaks down. Um, and so I think when you swing so far on the grace side and don't say the truth exists, then it's like, well, then what's the point of any of it? I mean, if, if all there were was grace, then we should all just do whatever we want to and live our lives however we want to, regardless of who it harms or if it harms ourselves, because there's always going to be grace to cover it and there's no set standard. And so that is so much, you know, and even in the microcosm of the church right now and the microcosm of our politics, when I, when I see the, the polarization that I see in the church and in society and in politics, it's so much centers around this, where for me, you've got one that has swung so far on the truth, dogmatic, legalistic standpoint, and one has swung so far this way on the grace standpoint, and they're not dipping into the other thing at all. And so one side says, do whatever you want to, it doesn't matter. And the other side says, you're never going to live up to the standard. Okay, well, that's Neither of those are true. And so that's why we're called to live a, a life of grace and truth. I think the challenge is that when we see Jesus being the model of a fullness of grace and truth, that's it's difficult because I'm not Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that in a disciple making context, I can't be 100% grace and 100% truth all the time. Only Jesus can be that. That's my target. It's my goal. That's a part of the sanctification process. But I think as a disciple-making leader, it's more of having discernment of what's needed right now. You know, And so when a guy in my group is struggling with something and, and really, really grieving over it and just saying like, hey, I'm struggling with blank in my marriage with my kids or whatever... You know, and he's like admittedly like, hey, I'm I'm wrong here, here, and here. And I know I need to grow, but I'm just struggling. Grace. But if you've got somebody in your group that is saying, like, oh yeah, you know, I think you do whatever you want to. And you know, I don't think it really matters if I take care of my wife and kids. You might need to lean into them a little bit with some Paul-like truth and kind of smack them around a little bit. <laughs> you know, and so I think you have to kind of just learn to when to do which one. But again, it's why disciple making has to be in the context of relationship, because if I give you truth and don't have a relationship with you, it's judgment. Mm. But if I give you truth and I do have a relationship with you, it's accountability. Um, Likewise, if I have a relationship with you and I give you grace, then it's saying, hey, there's a better way, but I love you 
all the same versus if I don't have a relationship, then it's just saying like, ah, you do you, I don't really care. And right. so I think that's why the relationship is the, again, I love John 1 14 with the, the flesh part, because it really just puts meat on it um, to say that it can't just be these abstract concepts. It has to be in the context of people that you're actually living and breathing and living with, you know, that that's, um, very good. And I appreciate the way you mentioned how it would look in our groups. And um, you mentioned that your group this morning met and that you guys were talking about something similar to this. You share a little bit about that? Yeah. First John chapter four um, happened to pop up this morning. And the first six verses, uh, it says things like test every spirit. And, and if there's a spirit that doesn't acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh, you know, count that spirit as an antichrist, lowercase antichrist. Um, and so it kind of saying, it kind of spends the first six verses saying, hey, you need to discern what's true. You need to discern what the real spirits are. I mean, the real things you're supposed to believe about yourself, about God, about other people, like there are true spirits and you need to let those in, but there's also a lot of deceitful and lying spirits. You need to keep those things out. So it says that for the first six verses, but then it goes on for the next, I think like 17 verses and talks about, and (laughs) while you're doing that, you need to love one another. And, and so it just, it just further kind of encapsulates that. It says, as you go on this pursuit in truth, for truth, love everyone along the way. Um, and so just really kind of unpack that for our group of, of how do we do that, you know, with our kids, with our spouses. I mean, there's times in which, you know, your kid makes a mistake and they need grace. And sometimes they make a mistake and they need some harsh truth. Um, and so that passage just greatly says, you got to have both. Um, but I do find it interesting that a third of the chapter is about truth and two thirds of the chapter about grace. Um, because I think that we struggle so much more with giving grace than we do actually looking for truth. I think everybody would claim that they have some type of truth. You know, they may say it's relative, but I think everybody would say, Oh, I've got this, this, and this that are my guiding principles for my life. And so telling someone, Hey, you need to determine what's true and what matters. And I think most people get on board with that. It's the grace side that we would say matters, but in practice, not a lot of us demonstrate it very well. Um, so that's probably why John, writes one much more uh, densely than he does the others just because of how much he knew we would struggle just simply loving each other. Wow, that's, yes, that's important to remember. Um, I mean, just reading the red letters uh, in the Bibles, we see that. We see Jesus over and over again. I mean, he gives a really hard teaching and everybody's baffled and not sure I can do this. Some of them walk away, right? And then when he's with individuals, like you were talking about, in the relationships, when he's with the woman at the well, when uh, they want to cast the first stone, I mean, grace just abounds in him. And what a um, what a teacher he is for us. You know, he really shows us that, that, that they both are so important. Um, this has been good encouragement for us today, Alan. I really appreciate that. Do you sort of have any um, reminders, last-minute advice, something for our, our leaders who are thinking, how do I do this? How do I uh, make sure that I am sort of staying with both and not leaning too far one way? I think if you can create intentional time to share and dig into Scripture with other people and create intentional time to share love with other people, I think that is what creates a healthy environment, you know? So this morning in my men's group, we said, Hey, what's, what's everybody going through right now? What's, what's, what's everybody struggling with right now? And what, what's really got you excited right now? Um, and so we kind of went through those things and then we dug into first John chapter four. And so I think allowing space for both, I think every leader gravitates towards one. I've been in groups that was all about, you got to get through the content. You got to get through the content. 
And there were some groups that spent an hour and 30 minutes on prayer requests. Um, that to me is a group dynamic that swung the pendulum too far in one direction or the other. And so I think us as the leaders and even in our one-on-one relationships, you've got to find time to just listen and be graceful and love people exactly where they are, but then also spend time digging into God's word and saying, but who is it that he's calling us to be? Um, and that's, that's with my kids. That's, and that's, that's every discipling relationship that I have is got to take on some kind of balance of that. And that's the, that's the, the tricky part of maturing as a disciple making leader is just figuring out what that balance is. And you get it wrong half the time, but trial and error, you eventually get there. That's right. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I've so enjoyed talking with Alan today and and learning more about grace and truth. Um, I want to share with you on the website, 419disciplemakers.org, there is a teaching about grace and truth. And there's actually a quote here. Um, Randy Alcorn uh, wrote this. Uh, he, he helped us with this um, teaching. He has a book out there. Um, but it says, if we minimize grace, the world sees no hope for salvation. If we minimize truth, the world sees no need for salvation. To show Jesus to the world, we must offer unabridged grace and truth, emphasizing both and apologizing for neither. So you can find this and more about Grace and Truth on the website. Please share this website with a friend or someone else who uh, maybe could be encouraged by this today, by this time with Alan. And we look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, see you, Alan. Thanks for having me. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org.